Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. You know, I was supposed to be continuing the Jesus Already Came Back series today, but of course God sent down something on my YouTube recommended for me to talk with you about today. I've never heard of this before, but you know, the world and especially American culture is becoming so crazy and outlandish to a certain point to where, of course, I, I stumble upon James White's YouTube channel and find myself in total agreement with him. And it is because of what this person says, and the reason you clicked on this episode is to hear my thoughts on it. And many of you are probably bewildered and surprised, just as I am, to hear this. So here is the clip. James White will talk for a couple seconds, and then the clip will be said. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. Now, what an absolutely ignorant and stupid comment from someone. I have a section of the Bible. I don't have it from Mark 7. I don't look uh, that part up. But I have the word-for-word translation. From Matthew 15, 21, which is essentially the same story. And I'm going to read it to you. And we're going to dive into it in context. Unlike what this guy said. I forgot his name and I don't really care uh, what his name is at this point. So Matthew 15, 21 says, And going out from there, Jesus withdrew to the parts of Tyre and and Sidon. And behold, a woman from Canaan, coming forth from those borders, cried out to him, saying, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is vilely demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And coming near, his disciples asked him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But answering, he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but coming he, she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But answering, he said, it is not good to take the bread of the children and to throw it to the little dogs. And she replied, yes, Lord, for even the little dogs eat of the crumbs falling from the table of their lords. Then answering, Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Let it be to you as your desire. And her daughter was healed from that hour. So in context, unlike what the guy from the TikTok, which if you believe any of the theological BS that comes from TikTok, uh, I need to pray for you. Search it yourself. Because within 60 seconds of someone giving their BS an unconsequential perspective, 
um, out of context perspective, I should say, of the Gospels of or of anything in the Bible is very detrimental to people's ideas of theology and of truth. It is obvious here that Jesus is speaking in a direct context way and talking to and stating his mission and why he was put here on earth. His job was to save and redeem the lost sons of Israel. So when someone comes up and says, hey, Lord, I'm a Canaanite woman. And I want you to heal me. That was not in the direct purpose of Jesus being there. So there is a test. Jesus, and this is just my opinion here, Jesus is saying that his purpose is for Israel. But the woman had so much faith in our Lord that he says, blah, 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 blah. I just read it to you. You can scroll back if you missed it. And Jesus saw her faith. That is not a changing of mind. Jesus did this for a purpose. We see this all throughout the Bible of God testing faith, of God revealing people's faith. And I mean, in the Gospels all throughout, Jesus says to his disciples and to the people then that if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. But there has to be a proof of faith. Going into the direct context into the original Greek, we have gotquestions.org. And I read through this article before we did this episode, and it and it's quite good so far. So it says in Matthew 15, 21 through 28, Jesus encounters a Canaanite a woman who begs him to cure her daughter. Jesus initially refuses her request by saying it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, uh, Matthew 15, 26. Taken out of context, and especially in English, it's easy to mistake this for an insult. In the flow of the story, however, it's clear that Jesus is creating a metaphor meant to explain the priorities of his ministry, as I just said, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is also teaching an important lesson to his disciples. Jews in Jesus' day sometimes referred to Gentiles as dogs. In Greek, the word is cone, C-U-O-N, uh, if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, meaning wild cur. Matthew 7, 6, Luke 16, 21, Philippians 3, 2, and it's staining where this Greek word is mentioned. Non-Jews were considered so unspiritual that even being in their presence can make a person ceremonially unclean, John 18, 28. Much of Jesus' ministry, however, is involved in turning expectations and prejudices on their heads. Matthew eleven nineteen, John 4, 9 through 10. According to Matthew's narrative, Jesus left Israel and went to Tyre. Tyre, I, I know I'm pronouncing this wrong, but just, just go with it. And sitting, which oh, was Gentile territory, Matthew 15, 21, as just stated. When the Canaanite woman approached and repeatedly asked for healing, the disciples were annoyed and asked Jesus to send her away. At this point, Jesus explained his current ministry in a way that both the woman and, keyword and, the watching disciples could understand. At that time, his duty was to the people of Israel, not the Gentiles. Recklessly taking his intention from Israel in violation of his mission would be like a father taking food from his children in order to throw it to their pets. The exact word Jesus used here in Greek was kanarion, meaning small dog or pet dog. This is a completely different word from the term uh, on used to refer to unspiritual people or an unclean animal. 
Jesus frequently tested people to prove their intentions, often through response questions or challenges. His response to the Canaanite woman is similar. In testing her, Jesus declined her request and explained she had no legitimate expectation for his help. The woman, however, lived out the principle Jesus himself taught in the parable of the persistent widow. Her response proved that she understood faithfully, fully, I, I should say, what Jesus was saying, yet had enough conviction to ask anyway. Jesus acknowledged her faith, calling it great, and granted her request. So the guy in the TikTok video that I played for you a couple minutes ago is absolutely ignorant on what the actual story is. And this is the scary part. We can disagree on doctrine. I'm totally fine with it. I mean, this is the most unorthodox podcast you'll ever find outside of Heart of the Matter with Sean McCraney. But at the end of the day, we must base our beliefs on the Bible. Base our theological beliefs, not scientific beliefs, not, not secular beliefs, but biblical theological beliefs. If we are to claim Christianity... We must base it off of the Bible. And when speaking on things regarding our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have to go on the context of the Bible. And that has clearly been shown from that video to show that that guy has no understanding of the context of Scripture. I mean, he literally called Jesus racist and said he had prejudices. We're talking about God incarnate here. And then the woman was so strong as to stand up to the savior of the world. How idiotic is that? I mean, that just defies everything that scripture says. Because if we could just stand up to Jesus and act like we know better than him, then why trust anything he said? Anything. Absolutely ridiculous. I talked Wednesday about agape love. This is exactly what I mean. The frustrating part in ministry is that not that people come to different perspectives by reading scripture and perspectives that are real in scripture that you may disagree with. That's totally fine. But coming with their secular beliefs and inserting them into scripture inserting them into scripture. That is the exact problem here. We see this all the time, especially in liberal Christianity, which uh, I am a Christian anarchist, which my technical definition would put me on a more liberal spectrum of Christianity. So there's not, there's not a biased play into this. And this does not in any way represent my perspective on politics. However, a lot of times what you see in progressive Christianity is the this idea that scripture gets we have to mold scripture to fit in our modern day culture. So for example, I keep hearing that that the word homosexuality is never in the Bible, which it is in one place, but then that actually meant pedophilia. But then you're just going to ignore the other places where the word homosexuality itself isn't mentioned, but the practice of it is. Leviticus 18.22 never says the word homosexuality, homosexuality um, but 
it perfectly describes the act. So it's obviously that's what it's talking about. But we want to make conspiracy theories within scripture. We want to do this. We want to do that and change it to make us like it better. And I'm guilty of this too. But when we read these scriptures, we must take the scriptures by the context and by the meaning of it, which seems simple enough. But unfortunately, none of us do it perfectly. And this goes back into the eschatology part. Everything that I read about eschatology comes directly from scripture. Jesus, his words, the disciples, their words comes directly from scripture but since we want jesus to do more and we're disappointed in it then we say oh there's a future return we just have the scripture just means something differently there's an issue with that and i'm i'm not claiming sola scriptura because sola scriptura is a used as a divisive tactic i think that different opinions can come from different from scriptures Right. So, for example, um, if we were to take the Trinity, I believe that the, the scripture sets out a perfect triune God eternally existent. Now, obviously, the opinion can be that there can be a oneness God. I think it's it's not true. Modalism isn't true. But that doesn't go against your salvation, per se. I'm just talking about this on the top of my head. Just like with eschatology, it has nothing to do with salvation. It's just an extra um, outside of the salvation aspect and interesting theological topic. And there's many more like this uh, with uh, young earth creationism. I absolutely disagree with it, but it has nothing to do with salvation. Different interpretations of the Bible. So sola scriptura doesn't work. But I do believe in the authority of scripture in context and in our individual opinions. But what was just stated on that TikTok video is not a opinion of scripture. It's not. I mean, it, it doesn't even make sense. I've never heard of this before. And I'm in politics and religion all the time. I've heard almost everything, but Jesus is racist I haven't heard that till today when I was preparing for today's episode. So the lesson that can be drawn from this is that we must search the scriptures ourselves. We must search for God, search for his love and his truth through objective understandings and by our subjective spiritual application. A discussion that I've had, and this will be our closing, my closing statement. The other day, and this refers back to the agape love thing. And through this argument I was having with a friend, the question was brought up. Do you believe that God will put you in different churches, even if they're not 100% true? And the specific church was the LDS church that we were discussing. And thinking of this question and reflecting... I believe in an all-powerful God. I believe that God can work through the circumstances, through the untruths, and lead people to salvation. I 100% believe that. God can lead people 
to carry out his purpose and his plan, even if they're not in their quote-unquote right church. It seems to me that since God is all-loving, that Christ's blood has paid for everything, and that by accepting Christ's blood, you can live with him for eternity with eternal life. That any church that has Christ, the individual can accept Christ and still attend that church. God leads people to certain places to carry out certain purposes. So I adamantly believe that there are good, loving Christians in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I believe that. I don't believe the organization is a Christian organization. I don't believe in a Christian organization, per se. The Baptists, same way. I believe there are great Christians within the Baptist Church, but the Baptist Church is just a man-made organization. It is not a Christian one, because the Christian organization, per se, the kingdom of Christ, is spiritual. It is not physical. This applies exactly to the Catholic Church, to the Protestant Church, through every church within human history. The only church that is a Christian church is a spiritual kingdom of Christ that is accepted by the blood of Christ Jesus. At an individual level, there is no theology test in going into heaven. None. So the Trinity, so eschatology, and anything outside of that does not matter in terms of salvation. The only thing that matters is Christ's blood and sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What does the next verse say? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. That is it. That is the key of salvation. If you'll give me a second to flip through my rather massive Bible, uh, I'm going to try and go to 1 Corinthians 15 and find uh, the Creed of the Apostles. Um, but brothers, I reveal to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also receive, and which you also stand. But which you are also being saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you in the first place which I what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Peter, then to the twelve, then he was seen over by over five hundred brothers at once, of whom the most remain now, until now. But some also fell asleep. Then he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And last of all, he was also seen by me, for I am the least of the apostles who am not sufficient to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was toward me was not without fruit, but I labored more abundantly, and and then all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Therefore, whether they or I, so we preach, and so you believe.
That is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. This creed is often referred to as one of the greatest evidences within the New Testament for the early uh, resurrection story. And, but that is irrelevant to what I am speaking to you now, ladies and gentlemen. What I'm saying to you now is that the essentials of the gospel is faith by Christ, his death and resurrection. And that is Christianity. And it is not organization that provides it. Going back to the original topic that we were talking about, was Jesus racist? Obviously not. Obviously not within context. And it seems to me that biblical ignorance is going to be the fall of the American church. The fall of it. And I hope it happens. The American church has plagued Christianity for far, far too long. I know God has a plan. And I hope God shows his children here in the United States his everlasting love. His everlasting truth. And by grace through faith, Ephesians 2.8, we will all be saved. By grace through faith. That is it. I have a friend that I frequently talk to. Um, that She's LDS and on my debate team. She's a really smart person. And one of the questions she asked me, uh, she said, Do you think that I am going to heaven? And the only question I asked her, and remember, we, we have just had a giant discussion, maybe you can call it a debate, between my Christian anarchism and her uh, Mormonism. We had just had this debate on it. She said, do you think I'm going to heaven? And all I asked her is, do you believe that you are saved by grace through faith, by the power of Christ's blood? And she said, yes. And I said, well, welcome to the kingdom of Christ. If we are to spread the gospel, the good news, we have to preach the entirety of the gospel. And that is a gospel by grace through faith. Now, we can argue about other doctrinal topics. It's what I enjoy doing. But that is not necessary for salvation. And I'll get to one quick objection, which I have answered several times on this podcast. What about James 2? With faith without works is dead. This is another scripture taken out of context. I don't know if I can find it uh, in time, but I'm going to try to. Because this is detrimentally important. Because Christ, when he came down, took away the need for us to follow the law word for word. James says, Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by, uh, from my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. But you are willing to know, O vain man, that faith apart from works is dead. Was not our father Abraham justified by works, offering up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith wor worked uh, with his works, and by the works of faith, was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled, saying, And Abraham believed God, and it was counted for righteousness to him. And he was called friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, and not by faith only. But in the same way, Rahab the harlot was 
also justified by works, having received the messengers and sending him out by another way. For as the body is dead apart from the spirit, also so also faith is dead apart from works. Our faith in Christ changing the hearts of humankind. The works that Christ spoke of, the two greatest commandments, is love God and love others. These are the works. Because love is the hardest work, believe it or not. Love is the hardest work. Because true love withstands the test of time, the test of the iniquities that will be shown to us and the transgressions we will face. True love is the hardest work. And that is why faith without works is dead. If you have faith but no love, you are not of Christ. Because Christ is love. God is love. Faith without works is dead. It's faith without love is dead. Love is the work. And to carry out the gospel, we must love to the very end of the age. We will see you here uh, Wednesday. This is Common Sense Christianity.